0: Hey, I appreciate uh, everybody being here, like I've already said this morning. Uh, Beautiful weekend. Uh, I don't know if you got a chance to be outside yesterday, and even the last couple days, just the sun shining. It's a great season uh, to to know. It always reminds me again of the hope, with Easter right around the corner, the hope that we have as believers, and I appreciate y'all being here. Uh, Josh shared in the early service, Sean is out of town, and uh, I think they're uh, hunting uh, for a couple days, next couple days, and... Um, as always, he entrusted uh, Josh and I to kind of tag team. Josh did a great job sharing on Jonah um, during the early service, and man, I, I tell you, it's a, it's always a blessing. I'm gonna move these back, Larry. Sorry, I may get a little amped up today. Who knows? After watching Sean for f- the last five years, this whole gets pretty big up here, but. Um, I got a chance to listen to Josh, and uh, man, he did an awesome job sharing from his heart about Jonah this morning, and, and those, those four chapters, what is there, 48 verses, that man, I, I just encourage you to read that. Uh, he had the whole early service talking back to him, saying, we are Jonah, you know, and, and uh, it was pretty encouraging to, to see that interaction, but I appreciate Josh and his heart, and again, Sean, uh, it's neat to serve on a team uh, with, with him as our fearless leader. Uh, again, I will tell you, I don't ever take this opportunity lightly. It is a blessing to share from my heart and to kind of be transparent with you for the next few moments. Uh, th- this whole idea of a, a covenant and contract has just been weighing on my heart recently. And uh, usually when I have an opportunity to teach, and Sean will tell you this too, even though Sean goes through like First John the last three or four years that we've been in it, it typically every week. Uh, will apply to him in his life. And uh, man, it's just crazy how when you get into God's word like that and you start studying it, it just changes your heart and, and you just fall in love with, with his word all over again, but even more so you're challenged to respond. Um, so with that being said, as I was praying a couple of weeks ago about, all right, Lord, where are you taking me? Where, where, are you, where are we going? You know, and I try to always be creative and, and listen and figure out what that looks like, and and Cody and I were on our way to Odessa, actually. Uh, About three weeks ago, we had a chance to go to a marriage conference on a Friday and Saturday, Matt and Lauren Chandler. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He's a very well-known pastor up in the Denton area of the Village Church and has written a couple of books that a lot of our students go through and even some of our life groups go through, but it was a live simulcast that they hosted and so on this way, if you know anything about the drive to Odessa, it's miserable. Um, you get past Sweetwater and it's like, oh my gosh, you know. And so Cody and I this year have been married for, for nine years in August, okay. And by no means am I a veteran. So when I say this next statement, just just follow with me. But as we're driving, we got our, our Spotify playlist going. You know, I'm in my zone. Cody's scrolling through Instagram. The two kids are passed out asleep, And it's just like we're going to this marriage conference, and I started thinking, man, what am I going to take away from this? And of course, Cody's going. I hope Matt takes away some stuff from this. And and so we're driving, and and honestly, honest to goodness, I'm thinking, man, I know I'm not a veteran, and I don't have this whole thing down. But nine years, okay. What what am I? What is somebody going to tell me who's not much older than me? And um, we get there, and we go through this this live simulcast, and. If you know anything about the drive back from Odessa, uh, it's a long four hours and an even longer four hours when you just sat through a, a, a marriage seminar that just had me on my knees. I mean, just one of those things that, that God was, was revealing to me, some things I needed to, to, to let go and revealing to Cody. And, and by no means is this a marriage. I'm not going mean, to be talking about marriage or, or dating relationships, but the idea of covenant and contract was brought up. Man, I just, I just got to thinking, uh, you know, Matt Chandler did a great job, and his wife Lauren spoke too, and they were talking about the difference between a covenant marriage and a contract marriage, and that just sunk with me. And it, it just, man, it broke my heart because I, I can think back even in the short nine years and, and, and of just thinking about our marriage as a contractual agreement. I'll do this, you do that. everybody's good and and you take care of that and I'll take care of this and we're all in our routines and stuff and and man that that idea of of a covenant is just what spoke to me so to make a long story short we were both blown away at how we walked away from that conference and and again like I said this is by no means a a dating or or marriage uh, message Uh, there are very many more veterans that have been married for much longer than nine years than I have. So I I don't feel adequate to stand before you, but I do feel adequate to stand before all of us because God has been dealing with my heart. And if I get anything out of this today, he's still working on me when it comes to a contract relationship with Christ to a covenant. And we're going to dig into God's word um, and, and look at what it means to be focused on Christ as our foundation today. So let's pray. Father, you are good to us, and uh, Father, even when we we fail you over and over and over again, your grace is still sufficient. Lord, I, I thank you for the covenant that we have that you have laid before us, God, that it is not by anything that man has done, not that we should boast in that, but it is all through the work of Jesus. So today, Father, break, break our hearts honestly. Lord, I pray that, that we would just be real for these next few moments to, to understand and to get back to the first love and joy of entering into that covenant relationship with you. God, I can remember when I was eight years old and how you spoke into my life, Lord, and, and God, I wanted everybody in, that I encountered to know the hope that I, I was clinging to. And God, as time went on, I can look back at the contracts and how life threw me a curveball. It was easier just to say, you know what? I'll get back to you later, God. I'll get back later. You, you keep holding up your end of the deal, Lord, and I'll, I'll get back to you. But God, today, help us to come back to our first love, Lord, and that is your son, Jesus. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name, amen. We learned a lot that weekend we learned a lot about about we learned a lot of things about each other but most importantly we learned about the difference between a contract marriage and a covenant marriage so on our way back as i already mentioned to you that was a long four hours but it was neat we talked a lot and 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 we got to know each other even more and it was just neat to talk about a contract versus a, a covenant so the whole weekend i kept thinking about how i treat my relationship with christ as a contract again like i've already said if i do this God, you need to take care of this. And God, if you do that, then I'll take care of this. And so many times I start becoming a barterer. I start negotiating this idea of a relationship with Christ. And that's not what it's to be about. Because if anybody holds up their end of the deal, it's it's God. Amen. As Brother Holm already shared in his prayer, talking about your grace being sufficient. Now we just sang songs about his grace overflowing. And it's because of the work of him and his son. So the first thing I want us to understand is the difference between a contract relationship and a covenant relationship. And, and I'm going to be very basic with this. We're going to go over two definitions. A contract, a covenant, and then we're going to compare that and look at it as a marriage and then get into to God's word. I'm excited. So if you have your Bibles, you're going to be in 2 Corinthians. Uh, we're going to be in chapter 3, the first four, five verses. And I'll, I'll wrap up first couple in chapter 4, uh, but that's where we're going to camp out today is in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Kind of give you a background, Paul's writing another letter, obviously, to the church of Corinth. Um, he's challenging the Corinthians, he's challenging them to understand what is at stake with their relationship. He wants the church to be reminded of this new covenant that is at hand, so much so that he goes back to the prophet of Jeremiah, we'll see that I read the children's message, we're going to take another look at that, uh, but he, he even brings them back to that. To the initial conversation with god and his people saying hey one day there will be a new covenant and i will forgive all of your misery and all of your sin in return for nothing except for you to follow me and so we're going to look at that um before we look at that passage let's make sure we're on the same page with the definitions Uh, a contract is an agreement between two or more people specifying that one will do something if the other will do something and, and folks, if we can just be real, we're a contract society. Contracts sometimes are, are, are very frustrating because you got lengthy, lengthy paper of this and that. You, you build a house, you got a contract, you open up an account, you sign a contract, credit card this. I mean, we have a contract society. You hear things like, get it in writing. Get a legal contract signed. And, we want, and, and that's good because we want to make sure we hold that other company or that other person to the, to the uh, uh, terms that we're agreeing on. But a covenant is a formal and serious agreement or a promise, usually under seal between both parties. I want you to remember that, under seal between both parties. So a covenant, it's a serious and formal agreement or a promise. Now let's compare in terms of contract marriage versus covenant marriage, because that kind of helps me. Sometimes if I read definitions, I gotta kind of have something to compare to. So a contract marriage is is... a legal binding document, okay? It has certain rights and responsibilities between both parties. If one party does not live up to the contract, and remember, this is not a marriage. I'm not talking divorce or anything today. We're simply talking about relationship with Christ. But if one party does not live up to that contract, then we we have what what is known as divorce. You know, they can end their marriage uh, with an equal settlement. A contract marriage says, I'll do this if you do that or you do that, and I'll make sure I do this as long as we get what we deserve in the end. And uh, that, that's kind of the, the idea of a contract marriage. It's a marriage based on benefits rather than on be- benefiting, okay? So it's, a, it's, it's what's in it for us, not what is in it for, or what's in it for me, not what's in it for us. So a covenant marriage, because for Christ followers, a covenant marriage is what we agree on, okay? If you Think back to your wedding time, or, or we got some young ladies in here that are just dreaming of the, the romantic day that is, is before them, and um, a covenant marriage for Christ followers is a lot different. It's a promise, okay? And so a covenant marriage in biblical setting forms from a desire to minister to the other person. See how we're, we're, we're kind of flipped. Contract is, I'm protecting myself, uh, in which again, marriage is a contract agreement, but at the same time, biblically speaking, it's a covenant agreement. It is not on my benefits, it is on how can I benefit the other person. Fred Lowry says this in his book, uh, dealing with marriage. Covenant is the heart of marriage and sacrifice is the heart of the covenant. Think about it from the ceremony. I mean, and let's just kind of go back to the ceremony nine years ago. Cody and I, we stood in front of each other, looked at each other in front of all of our friends and all of our peers at Trinity Baptist Church in Big Spring, Texas with the beautiful orange pews and orange carpet. And and we, I mean, it was just everything that my wife had envisioned, okay? We had dreamed about this. Technically, she had dreamed about this. For guys, it's a little different. But for you ladies, it's very, it's the most special day besides bringing in uh, your children into this world. But you're standing in front of all your families and friends, okay? It's the most romantic day. And this is what we said in our vows, probably similar to to if not all of y'all, most of y'all, and what you'll probably say one day when you get married. We said something like this, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, amen, um, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. Okay, there is absolutely nothing romantic or glamorous about those statements. If we can just be real. Okay, you are standing before the one that you are about to just enter into a lifelong commitment, a covenant, a promise. And I'm not trying to scare anybody out of marriage or anything, but you are literally standing in front of them and you are saying, "Look, I mean, this is what this is what your covenant says. You are facing them saying, "This could get pretty nasty. My sin and your sin, whatever God throws our way, we're in this together." through the cancer, through the hard times, through the hardships, through the financial problems, through all of this, through that surgery, through this, 40 years down the road, 60 years down the road, 10 years down the road, through all of this, through the awful times of just wanting to leave and just say, I call it quits, through all of this, till death do us part, we're in this thing together. That is a lot different than a contract contract you sign on the dotted line and if that party doesn't hold up to their end of the deal I'm out give me what's due mine and a covenant says it's not about me it's about us now and I'm gonna fight for this thing and I'm going to do whatever it takes to uphold this whole covenant that's a big difference that's a huge difference so why do I go into so much detail about making sure we understand the difference of contract and covenant? It's because I believe we, me, I'm speaking to myself. I believe that I need to understand the implications behind the idea of being a Christ follower. See, when I I made a commitment to follow Christ, the the bargain on his end was already sealed by the blood of Christ. He's already upheld his end of the deal. and, And I can't work for that deal. I can't earn that deal. All I have to do is say it's not about me, it's about him. And everything I do point people to Christ, Everything my finances, my business, my family, everything I do, I point people to Christ. We need to be reminded today, or perhaps some of us just need to go back to, to, to understand what it means to enter into that covenant relationship with Christ. But church, I got good news for us. This is where it gets good. This is where it gets awesome. And man, better than you could ever even imagine. So the second thing is, let's look at Scripture. Let's see uh, in 2 Corinthians what what Paul's talking about there. So starting in verse 1, it says this. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter of recommendation, written on our hearts to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with the ink but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Verse four, such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. You see what he's talking about is the new covenant that Jeremiah and so many prophets uh, prophesied about, the coming of the Lord, a new covenant would be made. You see, in the Old Testament time, that new covenant was filled with the precious blood of lambs and, and, and of goats and of, of cattle. And, and it was written on stone, do this, and, and, and this, is how you, this is how you experience God. And in Jeremiah, if, if we can just be real, in uh, chapter 31, I read it to the young people, but let me read it to us. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel in the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took my hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. Chapter 31, verse 33 says this, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God, and they will be my people, and no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me. From the least of them to the greatest declares the Lord. Check this out. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. It has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with what he did through his son Jesus. So Paul reminds us, uh, it reminds them and the, the church there that the fact of the new covenant has nothing to do with the works of man, but of all of Christ who is to come. And then he has to remind the church and basically he gets a little snarky with them. He say, kind of says there in verse one and two, look, fellas, do I need to put this whole idea of being a Christ follower back in, in y'all's head of what that looks like? I mean, come on, guys, it's not of you or of me, but it's of the spirit that was promised to us thousands of years ago. You're you tracking with where we're, we're going here just like it was promised to make covenant with us. So he brings this idea of the new covenant back to this church and says, look, let's, let's get back to the basics here. Let, let's hear about this. So Paul reminds them of that. And so the new covenant, there's a couple of things we gotta understand. The new covenant would be sealed by the blood of Jesus. Okay, remember, a covenant sealed by two parties. The blood of Jesus is what sealed the, the, the new covenant. God intended to seal his word by the blood of his son. He had no intent for us to do anything. Absolutely no intent for us to do anything. The covenant was initiated for the benefit of us, which is his creation. As studying of this, these are some things that I just kind of came across talking about this new covenant. The covenant was initiated for the benefit of his creation we cannot do anything by our power to enter into a covenant with God besides accept the terms. And here's the terms. It is not about me or you. It is not about us. It is all about Jesus. And that hurts for, for most of us. If you're like me, man, because I work hard to provide for my family. I do this. I want to make sure I raise my children right. I make this decision. I do that. And man, there's a lot of things that I just in the big scheme of things feel like I'm doing. And I, 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 I... And sometimes God says, no, no, it's you because of what I'm doing through you. That's the whole idea of the covenant. I'm telling y'all, for the wages of sin is death. So we know that part, the wages of sin is death, which means as soon as I came into this world, I was screaming. That's my mom. I was screaming, man. I was biting, I'm sure, by one month or, or, or gnawing on stuff. And, man, I was mean. I had a sinful nature. The wages of sin at that point is Death but that's not what the, the, the deal of the covenant. You see, the covenant is all about grace and Jesus. So he's holding up his end of the deal and constantly we look at it as a contract, myself included. It's not about us. Spurgeon wrote in a sermon back in the 1890s, says this, but the new covenant is not founded on works at all. It is a covenant of pure, unmingled grace. You may read it from its first word to its last and there is not a solitary sil- syllable as to anything to be done by us. Church, God initiated it, he determined the elements, and he confirmed his covenant with humanity. It is unilateral, which means it is of him, and it is ours to accept. We are recipients, and we are not contributors. We are not expected to offer our elements to the bond of this covenant. We are called to accept it as offered, to keep it as demanded, and to receive the results that God, by oath, Assures will not be upheld. Which means that basically says, we, um, we are called to accept it as offered, to keep it as demanded, and to receive the results of God. By oath, assures will not be upheld. The wages of sin is death. So we are accepting life through grace, if that makes sense. And here's why this, <laughs> this is so good for us. Even in the midst of our sin, even in the midst of turning from God, even in the midst of running from God, he is pursuing us through this new covenant. Amen? I mean, that is just something to, to, for us as Christ followers, that hope that we have to cling to, man, just ought to get our, our, our excitement up. And, and man, we ought to just be ready and filled with the Spirit, ready to go. God knows everything about me. Let me put things a little bit more in perspective because this helped me. God knows everything about me, what I've done, and more than that, He knows my every thought, and yet He still loves me. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us in Ephesians that he lavishes his grace and love on us. The word lavish means unimaginable. So this is what Ephesians 1, 7, and 8 says. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. He lavished. He poured out and is continuing to pour out. Can I tell you something else? Maybe some of y'all think you're just so beat up and caught up in sin and man, God, I just don't know how He can love me. And maybe you encounter people that you think, how can God still love them? I've been there too. I've been on the other side of that. But if we can be real, God delights in his children. He delights in his children. Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. Not that he will be your little puppeteer up there and he makes us do whatever he wants and he does this and and man, boom, lightning. Now, can he? Absolutely. Does he? Not so much Would I like him to sometimes on other people. Yes, okay? But if I'm just being real, he delights with rejoicing over with gladness. Psalm 147.11, the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him and those who hope in his steadfast love. He takes pleasure in those who fear him. First Peter 1, 6 and 7, going through a tough time. You, you need some, some, some energy. You need something to lift you up. Check this out. In this salvation, you rejoice, though for now a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes through it is tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The things, the trials, the the hardships that we go through, he tells us right here, Peter says, may be found to result in praise, glory and honor in the revelation of Jesus Christ. Are you tracking with me, church? Are you beginning to see, or maybe are you beginning to be reminded of just how awesome our God is? We just sang about it. If you're like me, sometimes I get caught up in the motions and I'm singing amazing grace. And I, I just if I was really just in, man, I, I feel like I, I just would be overwhelmed. And there are some times where I am so overwhelmed by the, the the Spirit of God that I just it brings me to my knees or it brings me speechless. And I know if you're a Christ follower, you've had that experience in your life. I know you have. The day you said I'm going to follow Jesus and God forgive me of my sins. Man, think back to that. I don't care if it's 50 years ago. Think back to that joy that it brought you. I'm not talking about just a smile when you walked outside and saw sunlight or a rainbow. I'm talking about a fresh breath of the Holy Spirit awakening to our souls. That there is absolutely nothing we can do to run further away from God. There's nothing, you cannot get out of that. Look at Jonah, read 48 verses if you got a chance today. Jonah went away from him. Several times. And God, the whole time's is pursuing them, pursuing them, pursuing them, pursuing them, saying, come on back, come on back. But God, curse me, Jonah. Really? Come on, Jonah. Man, it's just an awesome picture. So we want revival. We want to start realizing it's, we need to start realizing revival is here. It's in our midst, and we just have to wake up. We need to see that he is good and more than enough for each of us. We just sang a song, or, or Cody and Brandon just sang a, a wonderful song, Emmanuel, which means God with us. You tracking with me on that? God with us. He's gone before us. He's with us. He's gone behind us. He has prepared the path, and he is with us. So in closing, what do we do with this? I'm so glad you asked. Um, take a look at chapter 4. I'm going to close out with this. Chapter four says this. Therefore, that's in verse one. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful unhindered ways. We refuse to practice cunning or or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Verse three says this. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God and this is where it gets good church for what we proclaim is not ourselves but Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus's sake for God who said let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God that Christ Jesus has faced so here's what we do in everything we do a business In our family, in our parenting, in our marriage, we point people to Jesus because of the covenant we have. If you're a Christ follower, we are to point people to Jesus. Maybe you've been trying to uphold a contract. Here in a second, we're gonna have a time of response. There's nothing special about these three stairs. There's nothing special about this building. It's a beautiful building, but there is nothing special about this. What is the most intimate time is when you can say, God, I just need you right now. I just, need you to, I just need to know that you're listening and I need to hear you. I don't know what, what you're going through, what kind of contract you're trying to uphold. And, and maybe you think you've just ran as far as you could. Can I tell you, he never left you. You can't outrun him. You can't outsend him. You, you can't get away from him. He's there when you wake up. I mean, uh, there's a, a clip if you got, I think I've showed it to y'all before. It's called, uh, That's My King, all right? It is just an awesome, awesome idea of he is everywhere. He is Emmanuel. Here's how we end today. I'm gonna read an excerpt from a sermon. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to think about this. You fall asleep, you fall asleep. I, I, I don't really care because this is a sermon that, that I'm gonna read is from 1890. And let me tell you something. I, I'm here to encourage us as a church. Folks, outside these doors, there are people that are hurting. Inside these, these walls right now, there are people that are hurting. And I'm excited to be a part of a church that reaches people, connects them to the gospel, that that teaches what it means to grow and teaches what it means to seek God. But here's the deal. You, we are the church. Josh said it in the early service and encouraged our our, our 815 service, and that's early. So I just wanna, I mean, Josh at 815, that's early for him. All right, but, but let me tell you, he did an awesome job challenging the church to understand, man, it's outside the walls. We can can have the best program in town. And and if we are not focusing on extending grace and and being a light to our community, just another program. We can have 120 kids on youth for Wednesday and teen kids just, if we are not giving them Jesus, it's just another thing. And thank God we, we give them Jesus, but here's the deal, we need your help. Man, we need your help. And I'm not asking for people to sign up, I'm just asking for people to get excited, to just say, God, use me. Here I am, wherever. Use me. Closet Angels, Team Kid, VBS coming up. I, just use me. That's, that's what I'm excited about with our church. So close your eyes, and, and I'm going to close with this. Larry, you guys can come on up, and, and uh, we'll get ready for a time of response. The sermon says, he is therefore really and truly a man. And this fact is a bright particular star for sinners' eyes. Come to Jesus, all ye who languish under terror and dread. For here you see how compassionate he is, how sympathetic he can be. Yea, how near of kin he has become. He is God, but he is God with us. He is bone of our bone, flesh of our flesh, a brother born for adversity. And here the most trembling may be at rest. He comes down not to thrust us lower, but to lift us to the heights of perfectness and glory. That Jesus is man and yet God is full of hope and joy for us who believe in him. Oh, that the Holy Spirit would convey to each one of you, my hearers, the light which shines from the star of incarnation. Oh, that this moment the people who walk in darkness may see the incarnate God of a great light. He closes and says, not long shall evil oppress the believer, for in Christ Jesus God is with us. He is Emmanuel, and if God be for us, who could ever be against us. God, today we, we submit ourselves to you. Lord, I, I pray that this church would continue to be a church that just barrels down the walls outside these church, Lord, that this building is just a building that we can gather and be encouraged and, and almost like a hospital in the sense of, of coming to, to get fixed and broken and, and you heal that, God. But God, you don't heal it for us, you heal it to be a blessing to others. So Lord, today I pray Lord, that you would have freedom to move. Lord, I thank you for the covenant. You hold up your end of the deal every day. Every breath I take, Lord, you are holding upholding your covenant. So Father, show us how we can be better used by you. Show us how we can be thankful for the grace. Lord, it's a gift. It's like Christmas morning, Father, and the gift is just sitting there. Maybe somebody just needs to open the gift for the first time and to feel the presence of your Holy Spirit and to just know that it is a good gift and it is more than enough. Lord, move as we sing a song. I pray that you just move and have freedom to do so. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.